welcome to the Sage and the Skeptic podcast. So the reason why we decided to do this is I've been working with MANA for uh, many years now, and often we have conversations, really deep, powerful conversations, and we thought we'd just stick it out there because it's it's a kind of thing that we have this conversation go, people should be talking about this. So we thought we'd just stick it out on air and see what people's thoughts were. So you probably can gather that by now that when we call it the sage and the skeptic, that Mana, Mana Abraham is, is the sage. She's the wise woman and she, she has all sorts of thoughts and uh, beautiful analogies about things. And I'm more the skeptic. So my role is to question and to make clear her thoughts and also to help her develop them into, into a structure. But also to, if I think it, if I think it's right to disagree and to bring a point of that we should all do this and we should all be doing it more now, more than ever, is that we should all be listening to each other, questioning in each other, but still being able to part as friends and part just because we have differing opinions doesn't mean that we have to be different people. So that is the reason for this podcast, and that's what we intend to do. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I just thought before I introduce Mana, I just thought I'd tell you what this is called. So this podcast is called You Can Only Recognize What You Know. And this was a post that Mana put on Facebook uh, today, I believe, uh, at the time of this recording. So Mana, tell me what it means. So, yes, I... I was thinking deeply about this. You can recognize what you know. And it, we always listen. And we saw this very uh, common post that goes on that everyone around you holds a mirror for you. So they are your reflection. But the truth is, by saying that, we are still taking away the responsibility from us and keeping it on others. And they are saying they are carrying the mirrors, but sometimes they are not really carrying any mirrors, are they? Are they really carrying any mirrors for you? So that made me to wonder. And then when I went into this deep thought of understanding what is happening really there and are we superimposing our projections onto others and saying they are carrying mirror to us while all the time, all this while, Maybe it is me who is just recognizing what I know in them and they're just going on with their lives and they're in their own journey. So then that's what I thought, okay, finally, I thought this is the one I'll put it up there as a post and see how many people will come up with their thoughts and insights. And and then I really found some interesting insights on Facebook today. Hmm, interesting. So what, what what insights did you find? So I think someone said, yeah, we all hold mirrors for each other. And someone else asked, oh, can you explain with an example so we can understand this? So, and then I went on to explain in that what it means is say, you dislike something. So we have basically as a person, as a human mind, we are just the byproduct of our thoughts and byproduct of our knowledge doesn't matter wherever it is happening and those thoughts and that knowledge creates certain identities in you 
and you created those identities and you created your identities by wanting to become something and by also not wanting to become something so this we are just a sum of that really but we distract from the simple fact and we think way beyond that but the truth is you have to master these simple facts of you are the sum of your thoughts and your knowledge and because of those thoughts and because of that knowledge you either decided to be something or decided not to be something and that became your identity mm-hmm. so if as a child someone decided that i should not be lazy or someone decided that i should not be unkind and as a result they will choose to be kind always they will choose to be efficient and busy always but there's a difference isn't it there's a difference in being efficient and being busy because you don't want to be seen lazy being kind because you don't want to be unkind is different from being busy and efficient and being kind so just to explain to me first of all um when somebody says and again i just want to get this fully right that when they say when you see people that have to hold a mirror up can you can you explain that first and then how what you're saying now is completely different to that so it's not completely different so what we are saying is the reason why we say others are holding the mirror the truth is others are not holding the mirror it is you who is seeing and who is identifying you in others so, sorry so just let me get this right so what you're saying is if i'm talking to somebody and i see a trait in them that i don't like what i'm doing is really holding a mirror up and saying that it's me that doesn't like this is that right or that's what i'm right. seeing in them is is something that i don't want to others to see in me that's right so what happened is so when you are seeing a trait in others and that triggers you and you didn't like it that means you programmed yourself not to be that person and you're still chasing not to be that so so let me give you a, a and and I know we've had conversations around this before but for me what really frustrates me when I go to the supermarket and people leave their trolleys and don't put them away in the in the trolley park when they when they finish so what would that be saying when that triggers me what's that saying about me so what does that mean to you someone leaving trolleys what does it mean to you it means that they're just being careless and not thinking of other people That's right so that means you are ch- decided or you have chosen not to be careless and not to be thinking not to not think about others that is important right. to you sure. so and probably as a child or at some point of time in your life you decided that Andrew Keating decided that I will not be careless and I will not be so I will not have that lack of concern towards others not thinking about others I will not be that person so because of that you cre- you must have created your identity to be caring for others and to be thinking about others first so every time you see that they are really not holding a mirror you are recognizing 
that what you didn't want to be. But you're mm. consciously not aware. But what you're doing is you're subconsciously getting triggered with that. Something must have happened somewhere in some other form that someone didn't care for someone or someone didn't think about others and, and decided, I will not be that. And as a result, you created this identity of being a caring person, of being a person who thinks for others and who is concerned. So as much as you are caring and concerned and thinking, what that mind is actually doing is just trying constantly not to be unkind or not to be care, not to be not caring or not to be not thinking about others. But you don't realize that it's a deeper subconscious uh, pattern. But once you start thinking, what is it that I don't like about that? And if that means you're saying, that means you're not thinking about others and you are not caring for others. And if you realize, and if you recognize that in you, that, ah, so I'm being very careful and caring and thinking of others but it is backed up by not wanting to be something. And once mm. you recognize that, that hurt or whatever, because these are subtle layers, the more you work, the more you find. The deeper work you do, the deeper subtle memories and patterns you will find. And once you recognize and realize that, and you release that, then you'll still be caring and thinking about others but the trolleys will not trigger you because you will not recognize that in that anymore. But but surely that you know, surely we all have us have to as a society be thinking of each other and be caring. So so the people who lead the trolleys are surely the minority, and they're the people that should be, you know, uh, ostracized for it almost. You know, they're the people that you know. <laughs> why why should you know, that, surely that's a normal thing. Surely we all need to be that. Why would it be that, you know, and, and if I know that I'm being caring and considerate to other people, why would that trigger me? Yeah. So because what if that trolley, whatever you're seeing, is left by a busy mom with three or four kids that she's managing on the day and it may be raining or it's a hot sun and she had enough of the for the day and this is the last bit she had to do. And she went for the shopping. She got all the things, got all the four kids into the car, for example. And then it's like, oh, I can't be bothered about that. And maybe she neglected. So what if that was the reason behind the trolley? Or what if someone is in a rush and they had to go all of a sudden for some emergency and they left the trolley there? So when this is only a minority why don't we have empathy than looking at it as not caring and not thinking of others? It may be true because we all are in our own journeys and some people in their journey, they may not be caring for others or they may not be thinking about others or they may be careless. It may be true. I'm not saying it is not true, but this is also true. And sometimes it happens to me as well because I'm so tired. I just have to go rush and get something and I'm like I can't be bothered maybe I'm wearing heels that day because it happened so many times I'm at work and I'm wearing my office heels they hurt legs hurt by end of the day and then I had to go to the shopping and then I park my trolley some I park my car far off 
then I find it really hard to again take the trolley back. So I will put it in a spot. Probably I must have done that and I must be the culprit too. But it is not because of not being cared, not thinking about others, but it is truly what about just having that empathy for them instead of judging them that they're careless and not thinking about others. I realize that that's a, you know, when we're talking about a bigger picture than just somebody leaving the trolleys. However, I think what's important here is that, is that you know, what, what can just take somebody a minute to do can cost somebody else trying to pull into a parking space, you know, and there might be hardly any parking space available and they try and pull in and there's a trolley there. So they either have to get out of their car to do a job somebody else should have done or yeah. they should just need to park in. But, you know, that aside, you know, I, I want to get back to what, 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 how can I get over that, that fact and not be triggered by that? Because to me, it's just common sense. That's just what you do. Surely yeah. everybody feels that, right? That's right. So here are the two ways to react. And this is how the mind works. So one way of reacting is because it, that's what I'm saying. The key is in here is to identify where that is stemming from, where is it coming from? Because it's if it is stemming from a space of Andrew deciding, I don't want to be careless and I don't want to show have a lack of empathy for others. I don't want to be that. And as a result, if you form this identity of becoming someone, mind is just like a computer program. So the moment you create a new program, you have to delete the old program. But what happens is we never take a moment to say, the reason why we say let go is not about letting go. It's just saying, okay, I release that old program and I get into the new program. But one way that it can happen is there's an identity that I don't want to be that. And as a result, what can you be? You can exactly be the opposite of being a caring thinking about others kind of a person. That's what you created your identity and that served you well. So you created an emotion around it. So when you care for others, when you're thinking of others, there's something that you're getting satisfied. So that feeling becomes subconscious and that becomes an emotion and that emotion is leading you to do the same thing again and again, that identity of being a caring person, keeping others first person. But it is coming from the old program of, I don't want to be that, right? So what happens in the scenario one is you take the decision and then you're wherever you are, your mind is recognizing both. Your mind is recognizing not being, not, not, what is it, not thinking of others, not caring for others. And the altering exactly what you created. I don't want to be that careless person. And you created the alter ego. So that is the same pattern you're repeating. You see a trolley, careless and not thinking of others. Frustration. And then you go and you put the trolley because you're satisfying that other identity of a caring, thinking person. Can you see? So you're exactly the thought that you created in your mind. That's exactly what you're representing when you're seeing something outside. Frustration, you didn't like it. And then you become the alter ego of taking the trolley and putting it back. Mm. Right? That is scenario one. Scenario two is where you decided you didn't have this previous scenario of not wanting to be a care, not caring or not thinking about others person. It's, it's your identity in your, your very first experience, your very first identity is to be a caring, thinking about others person. So there is no denial of anything in the past. So it's purely that. 
So if you're going with that mindset that I'm, you're, you're a caring, thinking person, thinking about others, you genuinely have that concern. If that is your scenario, two option, you still go, you walk, and then if you're seeing the trolley there, you, that's what I said today in the post, I said you step from emotion to intellect because there in the scenario one, it's your emotion kicking in. But in scenario two, it's your intellect that drives you. So that intellect gives you discernment. So you can see, chances are, someone is genuinely careless, drunk and left the trolley there. Or the chances are, it can be a busy mom or a busy dad who left the trolley there because they were in a rush. It's a discernment. But that is not giving any emotion. It only gives you a discernment and an understanding. Yeah, people can be careless. People can be in rush. But that does not play the pattern of the scenario one, because that's not how the thought is formed. In scenario one, thought is formed from seeing something unpleasant, not wanting to be that, and then the new good identity. Scenario two, you didn't have an unpleasant experience or you must have deleted the previous program. So you're genuinely caring for others. So you walk, the fact still remains, someone is careless, but it will not frustrate you. You will still do that. And you will still form an opinion at that point of time, how people can be less caring for others. And you may do something about it, but it is coming from intellect and wisdom than emotion. Or So, sorry, I was going to say that. So am I, in, in option one, am I reinforcing to myself that I'm caring and understanding? That's right. Because, because, because I'm seeing it. And because my frustration is... Uh, is saying to myself, it's, re, it's re, reinforcing in my own self-worth that that's not me. That's right. So, I, so, the more, so actually by getting triggered, even though I'm getting, I'm losing my calm in, in effect by doing that, I'm actually reinforcing to my own personality that that's, that's not the person I want to be. Is that that's right? That's right. That's true. And can you exactly see now, everything you're seeing outside is already created in your mind. So the exact thought pattern. So it may be happening not with the trolley alone. It can be happening with something else too of someone not caring for someone. It, the forms can change, but the skeleton remains. The skeleton structure is what you already created in your mind. You saw something, you didn't like it, you flipped it and you became something. You will see that everywhere. So anywhere you're seeing something because you already you thought like this, that cannot be right and you thought differently. So when you come into this daily life, the thought you already created here, the skeleton, the structure is already created here in your mind. And all you're doing outside is you're replicating it in different forms. Mm. That's all so, it so is. So moving, moving away from the, the careless people that leave their trolleys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but say, say, for example, if I see somebody I don't know, that I think has got arrogance and I think he's really arrogant. Is that saying to me, I don't want to be arrogant? Or is that actually just a, if, if I'm already an arrogant person, am I just seeing that I'm thinking he's a good guy? Or what's the, what, what does it go on there? That's right, because it is exactly what it means to you because arrogance, like for example, I'm a coach and when I see people who are angry and who are arrogant, I don't see that as a negative trait at all. So I only see the pain underneath. I only see 
the past that shaped them to be that. I only see that unexpressed emotions that they didn't know how to express and that can come up as arrogance because arrogance is a great self-defense mechanism. And that means what they're doing is they're protecting themselves. So why they're protecting themselves? That means somewhere they felt unsafe or they felt somewhere that someone didn't accept them. So they're protecting themselves. So it's a self-defense mechanism and it's an emotional self-defense mechanism. So if someone is arrogant or someone say, denies what I'm saying or what I speak, I cannot see any negativity in it because that's how they're protecting themselves. But if I am an arrogant person myself and I didn't understand where that arrogance is coming from, I can identify, say for example, if I am, I, I do come from a family of short-tempered men in the house, and short-tempered men, and, but that's part of growing up. I, have, I come from a family where I have three men in the house, my father and two brothers, and they are short-tempered sometimes. And when they are short-tempered, they don't know what they're speaking and what they're doing. So for me, that can be my conditioning to think that's anger or that's hurtful or that can be uh, treating me with disrespect. I can also condition it and frame it that way. But once I realized it is that it is coming actually from a space where they are really suffering, where they have pain. And after that, you don't know it's a pain because it's an automated response. So you do that. So can you see, you can only recognize what you know. So when someone is fighting or when someone is arrogant, what does it mean to you? If I didn't realize or if I didn't go through those emotions myself and understand that, for me, arrogance means I'm not worthy and they are superior and I'm not superior because my maybe my brothers and my father is superior and I'm not superior, can be that. So every time someone is arrogant, I can go on repeating my old frame of thought. I'm not worthy or I'm not good enough or they don't recognize me or I'm not equal or whatever. I can make my own stories in my mind and that constantly triggers me, my stories. They are repeating the symptoms of their story and I'm interpreting and repeating my story. It's never the same. Mm. So it takes really... Mm a refined mind to react without thought and knowledge. So, so if you can act like with, with, you know, you don't get triggered by something, is that the same then? Is, is, is that, does that become an identity? So, you know, for example, if, if I look and somebody's arrogant, I go, ah, probably just hurting. Is that not me saying something about myself in that as well, that I don't care about? people who do that or I, I that doesn't trigger me so that there therefore becomes an identity for me is that not just a, a same thing but in a different way <laughs> it's interesting because this can go into a completely different conversation altogether because if I am not mindful or if I'm not careful that can become my trigger too and you will see so many people that I coach the standard thing is I don't care it doesn't bother me it doesn't trigger me. That's the language they use. And the reason why they do that is that is the way they learned to avoid a situation. So avoiding does not mean you resolved it or you understood because there's no resolution. There's only understanding. So anything that seems little, like there's a discomfort there, 
the first words they say is, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I don't want to know about it. I'm fine. So the reason why they say that is because they're avoiding it. Mm. And if you are not mindful enough, that can be an identity in itself that I don't care. Mm. So caring is equally bad as I don't care. That does not trigger me is the same as that triggers me. Because once you understand, none of them happens because it is, it is, it is what it is. It happens. It's happening there. Someone is hurting. Someone is getting hurt. You understand that, but there is no you in it. You're observing it. Mm. So, so how do I, how do I get from being triggered let's say by somebody being arrogant or somebody being shy or somebody being an extrovert or somebody being an introvert or somebody leaving the trolleys, whatever it is, how do I get from that being to not being triggered about it? The key is, as well, in, I think last week I did this workshop on how to be a successful coach as a parent, partner or professional. In that, I showed one model called existence model. And in that model, the mind there are layers to the mind. And every time you have an opportunity to observe and not get carried away by it. So the very first experience, you can experience it and still be an observer, not getting carried away by it. So if you got carried away by it and then you went on to do something else and you had a different result, again, you have an opportunity to observe and not get carried away by it. So, and if that result is good, you can observe. If the result is bad, you can observe too. But you fail to observe, you fall, fell into the rabbit hole, either winning or losing. And then there are repercussions to that. And you act on it or you think about it or you speak about it. So what happens is after a point, you lose the faculty of observation and you become the outcome. So the only way to reach that point, two ways. One is, that's why the mindfulness comes in. Mindfulness is not about sitting quiet and going away. Mindfulness is about parallelly coexisting with everything that you're doing. So can you separate the trigger and yourself and say, trigger, can you call out? So notice it before it happens. Yeah, so, observe it before it happens okay. or as it is happening. So, 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 so being aware enough to make a decision not to let it affect you. That's right. So the moment you can get there and recognize that and then observation with self-inquiry and then you can say, right, so that's triggering me. What does it mean to me? And then, as I said, as you said about the trolley, that means not caring and thinking about others. So... Where did I create that? And then your mind, when you're observant, your mind will take you. It's like a database. It takes you almost in a second. It takes you there and say, okay, let go. Release it. And you'll instantly release that from your body and your mind and your energetic field. You remove it. You release it. And that's, that's the only way to go forward. And if you can't, that's where you go to a coach because that can be your blind spot. And then you'll share that with them. But the whole point is 
you don't need a coach if you can focus on becoming observant and this self-inquiry, if that can be your skill set. And every moment, you observe yourself naturally and you catch yourself. Interesting. So if, if we, is there a way then that, you know, you can use this to your advantage? Because I'm thinking of somebody who's like a professional athlete and having a drive, you know, if, if you see that if you, you've got this driving you and that's obviously has a good element and a bad element to it, but, but you want to keep some of that to be able to perform at whatever you're doing. If you're, if you're trying not to be uh, poor, then you might be driven to be successful. So how do you determine the two? So, so how, do you, how do you keep the good, but not the bad elements of whatever you, you, yeah, it's triggering so you are, by, or the identity? Yeah, so just by that. So I said this is a, in the scenario one, what we discussed, where you saw something and you decided I will not be a less caring or non-caring person. And then you decided I will be a caring and thoughtful person. So you created these two programs. So the moment you're observant and you go through your self-inquiry, you can let go of this program one. And the program two of being that caring, thoughtful person remains. That does not make you less caring or less thoughtful at all. That only makes you more thoughtful and more caring person minus the negative emotions behind. Mm. So you're purely pursuing it and you're more careful, more thoughtful. And perhaps you, in the language course, because I'm not a great believer of empathy, because once you understand empathy is a label, but it will make you a more empathetic person, more compassionate person. So it's it's only empowering if you can observe and do the self-inquiry and release that um, patterns formed out of negative emotions. So, so just to get this right, I don't, I don't want to labor on the fact that people leaving trolleys, but what you're saying to my understanding here is that actually when I'm getting triggered by something, by somebody leaving a trolley, I'm not being caring and understanding by being triggered by it. So That's if right. I can get rid of that trigger and understand, uh, not being triggered and understanding, then I become more accepting, That's more right. caring, more understanding. Is that, is that right. right? That's right. Because frustration creates frustration. So every time you see that and you're frustrated and then your pattern is to flip it, to become a caring person, but you still brought frustration into the environment, into that atmosphere. Hmm. So you contributed. So probably if you didn't see the trolley, there's only a trolley and there's no frustration. And others may not be experiencing it like that. But by you bringing your frustration, you added a negative emotion into that environment. So you are contributing negativity into that more than them leaving a trolley behind. Mm. So if we can observe and if we can let that go and have that empathy, we are not adding at least on our end our frustration into it. It's just a trolley. Okay. Yeah, that, that that makes sense to me. I, I can't say I'm there yet because even just thinking about that still triggers me slightly. But I, I guess what we're saying is that you know that's definitely something I've got to work on. So anything you've tr you triggered by, that's something you've got to work on, right? 
That's right. So every trigger you have, that's what I said. So what you recognize is only what you know. And if you don't know, mm-hmm. so some people, they leave the plastic bags on the roads from the cars. So for some people, they get triggered by that. So I do remember that uh, way back, I remember one of my friends, she chased that car who threw the plastic bag out of the car. She chased them. She stopped. She took the plastic bag. She chased them. And she went and she told them, this is your plastic bag. Keep it back. And she gave them back in the car. So it's a very good Mm -hmm. gesture of caring for the environment. But if it is disturbing her peace, then there is something to work on. You can still do that. Pick up the plastic bag and still go back and give it to them. It's an awareness thing, but it's not coming from a negative space. It is purely coming from a positive space. I don't know. I don't know if, I don't know if the person who would have had the bag ceremoniously dumped, dumped back into their lap would suddenly think that that was a positive thing. Yeah, it's not about that, them. That could seem like an aggressive yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it is completely different because you are, the, again, you are the creator. You, your thoughts, you create the world. And you'll be surprised how situations can change. The situation can be the moment you they saw that passion in you, the possibilities are, they may say, all right, they must have realized they made a mistake. And if they're aggressive, that is their journey, not your story, isn't it? Hmm. So actually, you doing that, they, they they might be triggered by you doing that. That's saying something about them, right? About them, not about you. But mm, if you're getting sure. triggered, that is saying something about you. So you will recognize what you know, and they will recognize what they know. But you both are not recognizing that moment, what is happening there. It is not just so this, why. Yeah. I was going to say, so is this why there is no truth? Because it's just our perception, just our, our, what we look at and what and what our, our emotions are around that. So there is no reality. It's just a, our perceptions of what reality is. So again, the perception is the strong word because oh, this can be completely another huge, long conversation. We can talk about that perception because if we are truly perceiving things, then probably we all can live in the now. But we are not perceiving because perception is the first insight. We are not perceiving. We are constantly inferring and we are making meanings from the past knowledge. So in this example where this girl, she's going, chasing them and giving the bag to them, what she's doing is not a perception. It's an inference, inference of Someone doing that means disrespect or someone doing that means not caring for the environment. That is her knowledge and the thought. And she's bringing her past into the present. So, and then the people who are receiving the bag, they are bringing their past into the present saying, someone stopping me and telling me means disrespect. And they're bringing their past into the present. So none of them are living in the now, isn't it? So That's uh, interesting. Yeah. So we all say live in the now. This is what I'm saying. I always say this knowledge of knowledge is not knowledge of wisdom. 
knowledge of knowledge is just knowledge. You just know. So everybody says, live in the now, live in the present moment. It's not living in the now. It's about, are you inferring or are you perceiving? Inferring is where you're constantly making meanings out of, this is the life. That's what I say. For me, I don't need language because language really means nothing to me because language is where I have a meaning in a dictionary. And if a person is using that word, I'm going and giving the meaning of what I think I know. And I'm not living in the moment because that word can have completely different meaning to this person. So we are really not living in the now. We are constantly inferring. We are understanding and we are making meanings. And we are seeing. Otherwise, it's a matter of you left your paper, uh, plastic bag, you threw it out. I gave it to you. Take it back. Over. It's just a transaction. Sorry. Done. That moment is only that much, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But the very reason why someone can get aggressive and someone get triggered is because they brought, they passed into the present. Mm. So they're really not living in the now. So living in the now is not about living in this moment by doing and focusing just on this water bottle. Living in the now means truly, can you see that as a first sight? That's living in the now, but we don't do that. So here's, here's, my, here's my thoughts in that if we're all living in the now, that means we have to detach from that and have no emotion surrounding an event that happens. Is that correct? Oh, we are opening a Pandora box right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying is like for, for me, who's a, who's a bit, you know, likes science fiction, likes Star Trek and things like that, there's a, there's a species on there, an alien species called Vulcans, and they, ha they have suppressed all emotion and only dealing logic. And they say, you know, but that, is see? that them living in now? If we get rid of, you know, so... That's is that the one. best see? way to live if we live without emotion and live more with logic and, you know, not, not being triggered or not being... No. Can you see the violence in your language just in the last few Ooh. seconds? No. So, suppressed. Suppressed. Get rid of. So that, that is all violence. That is all the control. That is all pushing away. Why do you have to suppress an emotion? So that means you're speaking about yourself. Can you see? You want to get rid of. So that's the force. So you, that, that everybody speaks. So we don't get rid of an emotion because emotion is something that we created. So we don't suppress an emotion because that is what we created. So the only way to untie a knot is not to tighten it together or chop it off. It's the only way to do it is to softly push it back and untie it, isn't it? That's a very mm -hmm. delicate process to untie a knot. So that untying a knot comes with understanding. The moment you understand, because emotion is an unconscious feeling. So feeling is where you experience something for the very first time. That's a feeling because there's no memory to it. It's a good feeling. And when the feeling becomes like concreted into your mind again and again, then that becomes an emotion because emotion is an automatic response. So what it is doing is your mind is seeing an experience and saying, database, check, 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 check. This is the feeling. Oh. It's an emotion. So you can't suppress it because it's there here. If you're suppressing it, you're like building this dam and the pressure is high here. 
you can't suppress it getting rid of it is just that you know they say in a child is again a metaphor for this dam that we built uh, full of bank of emotions so you can't get rid of it because this is making friends here oh i'm feeling this way so it is making friends with all these emotions so you cannot get rid of it or suppress it the only way to again as i go back observe and self inquiry observe what is happening where is it coming from and one by one one by one you have to release and it's almost like that's why they say in a child i'm not i'm not into in a child uh, uh, terminology because in a child is a metaphor for your bank of emotions that you created and it is about that the, the reason why we call it in a child is to be gentle with a baby that's the only reason why we use the word in a child but what we are saying is you are gentle with those emotions and you are saying it's okay that's not the truth don't bring your past into the present so emotion means you're constantly living in the past the moment you're emotional that means you're bringing your past into the present so by understanding you will resolve that and mm. by resolving it it naturally becomes a feeling again and then you will use the strength of your perception Mm. Interesting. So I'll try not to use as much violent language for uh, <laughs> uh, as, I, as I say these things. But I guess uh, so. So if I feel an emotion, then talk me through it. If I feel an emotion, how do I get rid of that? If, if I feel something bubbling up in me as anger, how do I then either get rid of or release? As you you might you might observe say, and self inquiry. Better language. But, Again, but you don't get mean? rid of because it. You can't, you can't say it's just self-inquiry. Self-inquiry, what does that mean? Yeah. What, how, uh, do I, how do I get self-inquiry from feeling anger and go, oh, I'm feeling angry. Okay, observe. so what happens next? Yeah, just observe. So that it can be a very silly solution, but the truth is the very fact you're feeling emotional, that means emotion is a subconscious feeling. So that subconscious feeling is coming to the front and it is saying, look, when this something like this happened in the past you felt this way so there you go anger and then you're wearing it like yes tool anger and then you're becoming the superman with anger and then oh when something like this happened in the past you really laughed at it and then poop that's the tool and then you laugh at it so all is it doing is almost like your archer behind you who is giving you this is the right arrow this is the right arrow to shoot now this is the right arrow and you like a warrior just taking it without seeing what they're doing but if your intellect and if your wisdom can come to the forefront and if you can guide the person who is giving you the arrow behind you and you can say give me this arrow then they will start listening to you and they will give you what you want because you are the one who is seeing what is happening in front of you So the only way when you're feeling angry is because multiple things at play multiple things like it's just not emotion coming up because your body your mind is i don't know again um it's interesting we all say mind is different from your five senses but the truth is mind is your sensory organ just like your eyes mm-hmm. so if the eyes are seeing and interpreting what is there in front mind is seeing and interpreting what is there inside so they both are sensory organs that's all so just because you see something 
the other day we were talking about color blindness just because you're seeing green as blue does not make it blue isn't it mm. and does not make that person wrong as well mm. so it's just that what color glasses are you wearing mm. so we're all color blind yeah we all are color blind and we all are wearing colored glasses mm. yeah I think I, I think I have a handle on on that, but I, I, I still don't quite, you know. So if, so if I say, okay, I'm feeling anger right now, feeling anger, or I'm feeling shy, or I'm feeling frustrated, or I'm feeling happy, even. So even if if, if something's good and bringing up something good, do we still have to have that self inquiry? Do we have to have to have a part of our brain that goes, oh, stop being happy for a moment? And let's, and let's have a look at why you're happy. Hmm. That comes with practice. It's it's almost like a muscle that you have to build, just like you go and work out your body and you build a muscle. Like say where, for example, if you are, my pain threshold is very low and say if I'm not, if I'm working out and if I'm building my muscle, then probably my pain threshold can go up because when I was training, I could only do 10 sit-ups when I started. And after that, about a month or so, 83 or 84, I did the sit-ups and I didn't even realize. And my trainer standing next to me, only because he's counting and he said 84. And I said, what? And he said, you zoned out. So I did 84 sit-ups with the kettle. And But hang, hang on, hang on, sorry. So, but in that point, you're saying that we shouldn't be zoning out, right? We should be aware. You should be aware. So what I'm saying is it's not about zoning out. So I'm only explaining that as a story. What happens is because that's no longer a pain because my body didn't even recognize that as a pain. But when I started off 30 days ago, 10, my body recognized it as a pain. But after that, you build a muscle and then that's not pain anymore because your body equipped itself. It became Mm -hmm. stronger. So when you're angry and if you're not able to observe and if you're going into that rabbit hole, because I used to see people uh, when I'm working, when they're angry, they, they can't even speak normally like dub, 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 because they're so passionate with anger. They lose control over the speech and they, they don't know. And after that, I know like it's like a rolling stone. I can clearly see rolling, rolling and no control because mm-hmm. they don't have that control. It just rolls down. Mm-hmm. But that comes with a bit of a practice. So if you can start observing, because your mind is not, your mind is really nothing. Because people focus on mind a lot, but mind you don't focus on your eyes. You don't focus on your ears a lot. You don't understand what is the structure, what is happening there. You don't see, when you're seeing something, you don't see that, oh, that's an image, reverse uh, image, mirror, reverse uh, image of an object. That's what you're seeing falling on your eye. And if it's exactly falling straight in the center, you have a perfect vision. If it's falling before or falling behind, then you have short term, short or long vision, long sight. So you don't, there, though there is a structure, you don't focus on that, do you? But mm. with the mind, you focus a lot, but mind is not anything at all. Mind is just another sensory organ. So you can exercise that mind and just like peripheral vision with your eyes, you can expand your mind also by building that muscle and then your mind will have peripheral vision so it can see everything that is happening around, almost like driving. Mm. 
you know so when it is a new driver when i just started learning to drive i can only see what is in front but after that you're naturally seeing what is happening behind what cars are there you naturally develop that peripheral vision so same way you can develop that peripheral vision for your mind so what would your advice be to 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 start this process to start going okay i know you talk about self inquiry and you talk about things but look, give me give me an, an an exact so let's say i start going down a rabbit hole of of emotion or a rabbit hole of anger of some kind so what's the first step that i should do stop <laughs> stop well yeah but that's easier said than done right so, so how, how, do I, going, how do i get to that point yeah when you're getting when you when you are feeling that so that's where it is important to develop that muscle of staying connected with your emotions and with what you speak so it is important to be connected so the very fact is when there is anger can you just acknowledge anger the very moment it comes up can you acknowledge that emotion acknowledge that i'm feeling it uh, yeah this just acknowledge, acknowledge that, that it's that happening yeah just acknowledge you're feeling it or acknowledge it is happening so the moment you know when you move from hot to cold you recognize it don't you mm-hmm. so the same way if you are getting angry you can recognize that so you use your thoughts or or how you feeling as you were saying as a sensory thing you know That's just right. like you're touching something hot touching something cold seeing something light seeing something dark That's you're right. going okay now i'm feeling seeing touching something yeah. that's uh anger or upset or yeah. frustration or shyness yeah. as we say yeah the first step mm. is just to acknowledge it because just by acknowledging you will start building the muscle yeah mm. change in emotion oh i'm changing my happiness to thoughtful state i'm changing mm. i'm driving and then i'm changing to but again when will that happen when you minimize the rush in your head when you are truly open but again that's another maybe that that's something we should be talking about and we should let people know how to get there get there mm. so the first thing is to acknowledge so is that almost like a pattern interrupt then you know is that like you once you once you have had that acknowledgement then then that awareness of oh i'm starting to feel angry is that almost like the counting to 10 you know that helps you stop feeling angry just by noticing it or is there then something that you should do with that to bring so, yourself back to a homeostasis type of scenario so what happens when you get annoyed is it's almost like a child playing a video game right when you're playing the video game you become the character in the video game and you feel every shot every jump every bump you will feel because you are becoming the character in the video game and in that moment if you disturb your child or if you disturb the person playing the video game they get too frustrated because they don't want to get disturbed because they're becoming the video game the character in the game though it is not true mm. but there are some people who play the game for the sake of playing the game and they can still become the character but they can retain their composure they're quite 
mindful and they'll still play the video game and it's like a game just we're playing the game and we'll win the game so there's a different faculty isn't it there's called maturity or you call it building that muscle of able to separate that character from you mm. so it is important that we learn from a very young age that what is happening to us is not us it is just life that is happening so it is important for us to be observant of that's why i always give this example of sitting by the train and sitting by the window sitting in a train and life is happening there's so many villages you cross people lifestyles but you're observing and you're moving you don't become that as much as you enjoyed that so the key is to maintain that separation but we can't do it unless we are really mindful so that mm-hmm. mindfulness is about calming down yourself and that stems from completely different area and that's something we can talk about it but for now i think the simplest thing is start observing your emotions mm. and then what you do once you know once you notice that it's happening what, so what 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 procedure can you put in place as a okay i've hit step 1 now i need to do step 2 to get to step 3 it's almost like what happens is the very the very moment you be, you acknowledge that emotion you create the separation mm. and the more and more and more you are becoming aware and the more you acknowledge you naturally creating a wider gap and the moment you create the wider gap that's not your blind spot anymore because you can see it Mm-hmm. it is only a blind spot because you're too close to it like it's this so you cannot see but the moment you're acknowledging it that means you're separating yourself you're acknowledging you're acknowledging you're acknowledging you're becoming aware then you can see this and the moment you can see this it disappears because you saw that and you're saying okay i don't need that that is quantum physics again because just by observation you disappear that that um thought disappears so just by the moment you're creating this gap and you're observing this disappears hmm. you don't have that's why i'm saying you don't have to get rid of that you don't have to suppress it all you have to do is start with a simple technique of just acknowledging the emotion acknowledge 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 and then suddenly you can see that and that disappears you're free so mm. uh, yeah you call it quantum consciousness call it quantum physics call it just by the fact what you are observing it because just like your mind just like your eyes and their sensory organs you see it your mind can see it the moment you're seeing it it's gone so yeah so this acknowledge right thank you so I guess just in closing uh this so uh, and to get back to what we first of which is talked about you can only recognize what you know so if we can round this off so once we recognize what it is something in us that we recognize that then should lead us to self inquiry to look why am i why is this triggering why am i thinking like this why am i going down this rabbit hole separate the uh separate the 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 feeling and 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 stop that going down that and then be able to bring ourselves back and go okay and just let that go and bring it back to back to some kind of homeostasis 
Does that, would that sum everything up fairly, yep. fairly yep. well? Yep, that's right. So all you have to do is recognize and as long and that's why it can go even more deeper and we will talk about it maybe in another podcast about ego because even the very fact I've written that post this morning is coming from a space of ego that I because if I'm not seeing any of the traits in me in you then I can't see anything can I mm-hmm. and the moment I can't see anything then I don't exist mm. so I can only recognize what I know. So it goes that deep. So we are starting with an emotion and we are thinking about an emotion, but it goes deeper than that. And then there will be subtle emotions. There will be subtle energies. And the more we go deeper, then slowly, that's where that you don't associate with anyone anymore. And that's what it happens because you don't connect with anybody. So we aim for connection because the every reason we aim for connection is because we don't want to be disconnected, which is again that pattern. And then connection is no longer a goal mm. because connection is also a pattern and you don't aim for that anymore. So you become a single entity where you don't recognize anything. So that post I put this morning is for that reason that you only recognize what you know. So I only recognize you because I'm recognizing myself as a human. So I know that this is human body. So I'm recognizing you as a human. But the moment I lose this and I recognize I am not a human, that's just a label, then you are not a human to me anymore. Can you see? So it can go down the rabbit hole. Now we are getting deep, aren't we? (laughs) Just before we close this podcast, I think that we are getting very deep. But no, I think that's a a really interesting point. And uh, I think you you know, as always, you, you you say it so eloquently, and bring the point to bring the point home. But it, but if you are watching or listening to this, I think it'd be, it'd be great if you would reply back or comment at least with your thoughts on what we've talked about today. And I think that it's it's something, you know, if we if we all can I guess observe a little bit more, you know, thinking abstract and big picture, I guess we'd all have a better world, right? If we all could think before we acted. I guess, as the saying goes, is, is there anything you'd like to add before we bring this to a close, Mana? No, that's all. Thank you, Andy. And I think everybody, all of us should start with observation and acknowledging. The more we can acknowledge our emotions, then that's the start. Awesome. In that case, I will uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. I hope you enjoyed what we talked about today. All coming from one sentence. <laughs> so how deep you can go from just talking about one sentence and and that's the idea we really want to just hold these conversations that we believe aren't being held at all at the moment especially in this in this society where we seem to be uh, operating from different polarities and you have a one polarity or another and these never engage with each other so we hope you've got something out of that. I certainly have. I'll certainly try to recognize if, I, if I'm getting triggered by a trolley or not, or, or what that is, and, and try and observe a little bit more. So thank you, Mana, for that conversation. I, I really appreciate it. And um, we'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you. See you soon. <laughs>